Hi, this is Sean Benson from Harvest Church in Warrensburg, Missouri. I want to thank you for joining us for this week's podcast. For more resources, log on to harvestwarrensburg.com. So I, I had no idea. I've kind of said this before. Lord, bless Walmart to do a better job at producing their stuff. Stay. Like <laughs> almost a year ago now, I, I'd have to look back at the exact number of messages so far in the series. You know, we embarked on this journey together to to really reaffirm our core values in this house. Just felt from the Lord, we just needed to kind of go just from start to finish and just kind of hammer this away. I had no idea at that time. Just not smart enough to do the math. Maybe is what it is. <laughs> I had no idea at that time that we'd still be talking about those things as we landed the plane in 2023 and and, and entering into this fourth quarter of the year. Can you believe another year is almost gone? Wow! Holy smokes! You know, and lately we've been swimming around. In the, uh, the revival lifestyle core value. Anybody enjoy that conversation? Yeah. You know, and in fact, when I got saved in the very beginning, I, when I didn't know anything, and I know probably even less now, honestly, I, I, <laughs> I know a few more scripture verses and, and then a whole lot less, you know, it seems like as I go, you know, but, but back, in the, back in the early days, man, I just had this, this burning fire on the inside of me from the moment that I got saved. And it was a fire that cried out to me that there's more. There's more. Yeah, it's like I, I didn't know anything about anything. I didn't know whether God healed today. I didn't know whether he could talk to you. I didn't know anything, man. You know, but something on the inside of me did. And something on the inside of me just sent me on this journey to discover this topic, which is why we're still on it, because it's a, it's, it's a, well, to be honest, it, it, I don't know that this is an accurate statement, but it's like, in some ways, this topic, the revival lifestyle, describes who we are and who we're to be, maybe more than any other core value. You know, we have some things like the Father heart of God, that's who he is to us, you know, so there's a sense in which we reciprocate in that, you know, but, but this one is like, hey, Jesus did something profound on that cross, and he's inviting us into the fruits of that. And, and, and it's like, and, and this, this that we're talking about, this is normal Christianity. How many of you know that? Like, it's suppressed. It, like, listen, like, think about this. If, if you actually were called, and by the way, you are, let's just make that super clear, to walk in power. If you were called, as we've talked about, to be the solution to the problems that are all around you, if you were called by God to recognize those things on earth which are out of sync with heaven, and, and, and the Holy Spirit of God was on the inside of you helping you to identify those things and then empowering you to step in to be the solution for those things, don't you think the enemy would rebel so hardcore against that so as to create doctrine that says, no, 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 you've just barely gotten saved and you might make it to heaven someday. Like, don't you think the enemy would, would levy everything he's got you know, against religious leaders so as to create a doctrine that stands in contrast to what we just described and what we've been preaching on, right? I, I'm saying it like this to say, the devil has done this. <laughs> If it's not clear to you, that's the reason why I, somebody, a pastor had said the other day, like, is there anything more content, contentious in the body of Christ, you know, than the healing of God, so health, like, and the finances of God. So like, yeah, he doesn't want you to remain poor. That's pretty tough to change the nation when you're poor, right? Are we all right? 
Are there any more contentious topics in the body of Christ? Uh, Probably not. Why do we think that is? (laughs) I don't know what that means, but I'm not going to look over there now for a minute. (laughs) The enemy is after us to shut us up, to silence us, you know, to, to make us believe the lie if I could use the word that we're impotent, that we have no power, that we can't actually do anything, that our prayers really don't matter. And then we get sleepy and we just wait for the eject button. Maranatha, God's come save us. (laughs) Right? Our only hope is now not our Savior Jesus Christ, but rather it's death. Our hope is death. Get us out of here, God. And ever more now, with all the Palestinian conflict, and I don't care what your end times theology is, that's not our mandate around here, so I don't hear us teach about it much. But there is a theology that surrounds the end times that's just looking for an eject button. God, just come take us away from this place. When instead, God said, blessed are those found faithful... Blessed are those who are found working. What are you called to do? Blessed are those who are doing that when I come back. <laughs> and, and here's the thing, guys. If, let's just say for a second that our theology really was one that said, yeah, we're just, we're just waiting for the eject button. Like, if, if that's really our theology, we're like, yeah, look, this whole thing's going to hell in a handbasket. Like, there's nothing we can do about it. Jesus, come. Come save us. Shouldn't that stir us to be the greatest evangelist, the evangelistic generation on the earth? Like, if I really thought that it was like, okay, well, this is it, man. Like, we're just waiting for Jesus to come back. Well, then, like, should we be scraping as many people into that kingdom as possible? Like, your only hope is Jesus. He's going to come back any minute now. <laughs> So I'm not going to allow fear of talking about it to hinder me any longer. I'm going to get radically bold. Boy, if that was the fruit of that theology, wouldn't that be something? And here's the thing. It should be the fruit of that theology. And by extension, like it should be the fruit of our theology anyways, shouldn't it? We all right? We're talking about the the revival lifestyle. Here in this church, we believe that Jesus paid for more than just an eventual entrance into heaven. We believe that he paid for it all. Every bit of it. He paid for me to become like him. He paid for me to step out of the old human nature and into his God nature where I now am renewed with my eyes of truth, and I now for the first time have the ability to discern between light and darkness, good and evil. I have the ability to discern that which on earth isn't looking like that which is on heaven. See, I've come out of darkness and into light myself, and then he's empowered me by his Holy Spirit to become the solution to the problems that are all around us. This is the revival lifestyle. And we've got to get a hold of this 
because the enemy is, is roaring and trying to silence you and trying to get you to believe that you're not powerful. But listen, church, how could you not be powerful when the God of the universe lives on the inside of you? Think about that just for a small second. How could you not be powerful if the God of the universe lives on the inside of you? The God who knows everything that you'll ever face. He literally knows everything that you'll ever do, everything that you'll ever say. He knew it before the foundations of the world. Like This is the God. He lives on the inside of you. That's not meant to be a limiting factor for God. It's meant to be an empowering factor for you. And yet, of the Holy Spirit, it says God's jealous. What's He jealous of? He's jealous of us, non-believing believers. He's jealous to allow His Holy Spirit to actually do what He sent Him forth to do. You might remember Jesus said it was absolutely necessary that He go. Boy, there's some days I'd like... I mean, wouldn't it be amazing that Jesus in the flesh? You know, and I just think, woof, take me back to that time. Let me just walk hand in hand. You know, it's like, like, let me be the one that lays up against him. You know what I mean? Like, let me be the one that outruns Peter. He's slow. (laughs) See, only the biblically literate got that one. Yeah. (laughs) You know, but he said it was better that he go. Why was it better? You remember? Because he's going to send the Holy Spirit. Now, if he's going to send the Holy Spirit to lie dormant on the inside of unbelieving believers, come on back, Jesus. Because it was better when you were here on earth. I mean, you know, that wasn't his intent. It's not the design. You know, he sent the Holy Spirit to live on the inside of believing believers to empower you to do the very things that he modeled on the earth. We all right? Again, this is the revival lifestyle. Look at this. I'm, we're going to look out of John. You know, Jesus, at this point, he's, he's resurrected from the dead under the power of the Holy Spirit. By the way, this is who we're talking about. The Bible says that the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is on the inside of you, and he will bring life to your mortal bodies. Come on. Who needs a touch from Jesus this morning? He will bring life to your mortal bodies. He's on the inside of you. The God of the universe lives on the inside of you. Jesus comes back from the dead. He's talking to his disciples. Now, imagine Jesus, he's coming to you. You went through the whole scenario. You saw him die. The dude's still standing there and yet somehow not believing. That's why it says, blessed are those of you, that's us, who who haven't seen and yet believe. Here's doubting Thomas interacting with Jesus. He's standing there with holes in his fingers. He, do- he saw him die. He saw them roll the, the stone over the tomb. And he's like, I don't know about this. This is like, is it you? And Jesus is talking to him in this moment. And he's like, listen, like if you don't believe the words that are coming out of my mouth, then believe the miraculous works that are happening at my hand because it's they that testify of my divinity. And he says to him, he says, he says, I and the Father am one. 
See, we know this of Jesus. We know that because he didn't sin, he was never disconnected from Father God. Were you aware of that? He was never disconnected from Father God. I know we see the Holy Spirit come out, it says, like a dove and descending on him at the moment of baptism. But Father and Holy Spirit were never separated from the Son because Jesus had never sinned. Okay? So he's in perfect unity with the Father. The Bible says in Hebrews that if we saw the ministry of Jesus, he was the exact representation of the Father, that he didn't do anything except for what he saw the Father in heaven doing. These guys were yoked together in absolute perfection. He says of himself that I am in the Father, the Father is in me. We are one. We are in absolute unity. And it's from this jumping off point that we get into this conversation with doubting Thomas. Again, here's what he says. He says this. This is uh, chapter 14, verse 12, 12 through 14. It says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do. Now, remember, he just prefaced this whole thing. Saying, I'm in the Father, and the Father's in, I'm, I'm in the Father, the Father's in me. We're one. And it's from this place of unity that he's talking about. If you don't believe the words that are coming out of my mouth, then believe the works that I do. Believe the miraculous works. What I want you to see connected is that he's talking about, like, I'm abiding with the Father. I'm one with Father. Father's in me, and I'm with the Father, right? Like, I'm one with him. I'm yoked with him. If you see me, you have seen him. And it's out of this place that he's doing miraculous works. But here at this point, verse 12, he takes a shift off of himself. See, we're tempted to believe as we look through the survey of the New Testament, which is largely the description of the the life and ministry of Jesus while he was still alive, we're tempted to look at it and kind of go, well, that's God. Like that's, that's like, and even as we start this passage out, he's saying, look to the works because it's the works that testify of my divinity. So we're like, okay, all right, so this is God doing these things. And we're tempted to go full stop right there and go, all right. Yeah, I know a couple of weeks ago you said that God wasn't looking for a superstar, but he's going to have to look for a superstar because this guy is saying, like, he's doing these works because he's God. And if he's doing those works because he's God, then I can't expect to enter into those things. After all, I know what I did last week. I know what you did last summer. That's good. We got less laughs on that than we did when we were talking about biblical literacy. So we're doing great. Good job, guys. Listen to this. He's making a shift now. He's saying, lest you are tempted to come under the lie that this was something exclusive to a superstar. This was something exclusive to me, Jesus Christ. I know I just told you that these works testify of my divinity, but lest you come to believe that that also means now that's at the exclusion of you, greater works will you do. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these, he will do. Because I go to the Father. (laughs) Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything, (laughs) if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. I want you to see here, Jesus isn't modeling now what it looks like to be God. Even though he referenced Thomas back to that, like, man, it's been a minute since you've seen anybody do any kind of miracle. Like, if you don't believe the words that are coming out of my mouth, at least believe the miracles that are happening. Nobody else has been able to do these kinds of things. Uh, But hang on. Let me bring you into this. Let me pull you in for just a second. 
And I'm going to now declare over you that what you saw me do, you saw me model to you again, not as God, but as a human being in right relationship with God. That's why Jesus constantly referred to himself as the Son of Man. You ever wonder, like, why over and over again does it say the Son of Man, the Son of Man, the Son of Man, the Son of Man? He's, he's, he's declaring to you, I'm just one of you. I'm just a normal guy. The only difference is I didn't take the bait of Satan. I didn't fall. I didn't sin. So I'm in unity with the Father. So he's modeling what it looks like to us, again, not to be God, but what it looks like to be in right relationship with God. And he's now saying, what I've modeled to you, I'm calling you into. And not just what I've done, but greater works will you do. Now, does that offend anybody? Greater works than Jesus. Surely not. And so then we, so then we theologically diffuse what he said. Well, I mean, it was Jesus. He was God. I can't do greater works than Jesus. Okay, all right, fine. Uh, then let's just settle for doing what Jesus did. Anybody okay with that one? And, and, when, and when, when we get to that place, then we can start talking about what greater looks like, okay? So what did Jesus do? Think about it. What did he do? I, I wrote a list because I'm not smart enough to remember. <laughs> he, opened, he opened blind eyes, didn't he? Is that right? He opened up deaf ears. How many of you like to open up blind eyes and deaf ears? No. I mean, God's working on Charles right now. Amen. With his ears. Physical ears. Spiritual ones are pretty good. Right? He opened blind eyes. He opened deaf ears. He healed the paralytic. He healed paralyzed people. It's people who couldn't move at all. Imagine, just for a second, Jesus comes up, he touches them, and all of a sudden, bam, they're like... It's all right, Nulkers, you've been around a long time. You can still laugh at all the old stuff, all right? <laughs> he raised people from the dead. Like Bill Johnson's quoted as saying, Jesus wrecked every funeral he was ever a part of. <laughs> I mean, imagine, you're like, you know, you're going to the wake, you know? And you're like, hang on just a second. Listen, I would, I probably wouldn't be the man full of faith. I'd be the one changing my draws. Like, bro, just set up in the casket. All right, what do we do? Jesus direct every funeral he went to. He, he, healed, <laughs> he healed every sickness and every disease. He healed literally everybody who came to him and said, Jesus, would you pray for me? Even if they didn't have faith. It didn't matter. Jesus healed them anyway. Come on. Every sickness, every disease. He had power. He demonstrated power over creation. Remember? He, remember when he spoke to the fig tree? The disciples were like, what in the world? I still am perplexed. I'm like, bro, why didn't you bless it? <laughs> it didn't have fruit. Why didn't you just, hi, by the way. Like, why didn't you just lay hands on it and command fruit? Why? But anyways, there's a whole prophetic parable there I'm not going to get into. You'll have to ask Kevin about it. That's good stuff. You know, but, but they, were, they were in awe at this one who had authority over creation. You know what Jesus said to them? <laughs> you think that's a big deal? Hell no, 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 no. No, listen, there's going to be a day the Holy Spirit's going to come on the inside of you and he's going to empower you in such a way as you could speak to this mountain. He's pointing at the mountain and command it to be removed into the sea and it'll obey you. Do we believe that? Help our unbelief, Jesus. He demonstrated power over creation, didn't he? Remember when he multiplied the, the loaves and the fish? He's demonstrating his power and his authority over the natural elements of the world. Uh, remember the storm. You know, Jesus just speaks to it. 
peace be still. The whole hurricane, and the seas are still just instantly. They looked at him. They were like, what kind of man is this that even the wind and the seas obey? Remember a little later, though, they're in a storm, and he's like, why are you waking me up? Why didn't you do something, you have little faith? See, Jesus is not doing these things to try to show off that he's God and try to garner some kind of support for his ministry. Everything that Jesus did, he did it to model to you what is possible for what it looks like for a righteous one to walk with the living God and to actually believe him at his word. We see some interesting things in the word. While I would settle for what Jesus did, I'm like, just, just get me there, Jesus. I'd be, be really happy. He did say we were going to do greater works, right? And here's the thing, guys. While there's much debate over what greater works looks like, we actually began to see the disciples after Jesus raised from the dead enter into those greater works. Do you want to look at a couple examples? You know? What about Peter? The apostle Peter... You know, everybody's on Peter for running off his mouth and doing, I love Peter. I'm like, Peter's the dude that was like, Jesus, if it's you, bid to me to come to you. And he, you know what I mean? He's like, here we go. You can't, I, listen, I'm just going to say, I don't have enough faith to step off of this into the air. Right? God help me. I'd love, that would be amazing. But at this moment, my faith is probably more in gravity. I'm just being serious here. What kind of man was this, Peter? This is something that Jesus already did. So we're not even talking about greater works. He just bid me to come. And Peter's just like, all right, here we go. Let's do this. Steps out onto the waves, right? This same Peter, he gets to a point where people would follow his ministry. And when he would go do his vegetable shopping in the marketplace, you know, I don't know. Do I have a shadow? Look at that. I got a shadow. Look at that. Well, that's a good looking shadow. Look at that. That as he walked by, people would try to just get in his shadow because they knew that if just his shadow would touch him, they'd get healed. Can you imagine? Imagine the, the anointing that was on this human being such that somebody could just get into his shadow. So here's the question. When did you see Jesus ever do that? He didn't. Bless those kids. They are having fun. We're beginning to see now a disciple who entered into works that were greater than what Jesus did. Now, there's a lot of stuff that wasn't written in the book, right? But I can only speak to what was. And this ain't in there. What about, I think, the Apostle Paul? Is that next on my list? It is. The Apostle Paul, you know, he, uh, he got to coin what we call tent making. You know, tent making is the, the idea of, of doing a business or uh, having some sort of employment, gainful employment, uh, alongside full-time ministry or as full-time as one can do when they're torn between trying to raise money and, and do ministry, right? So we call it tent making in Paul's case because he was actually making tents. That was his business, okay? Now, apparently it was hot, because they would take, he would have these, he would have these, these Joe Hunter sweatbands 
What do you call that? Handkerchief? They'd have these Joe Hunter handkerchiefs. I'm pretty sure Joe's name was monogrammed on the inside. Paul probably stole them. You know? And they, they would take him off his sweaty brow and they would send them to people in other cities who needed a touch from God, who needed to be healed. And they were being healed. Again, we're talking about the anointing of the Holy Spirit resting upon human beings after Jesus' ascension. This is not the ministry of Christ. This is the, it is, it, it, by extension, it's the ministry of Christ through these men. But it's the, the same power that, that, that was resting upon Jesus is now resting upon these disciples, these absolutely normal, largely untrained men who were just taking God at his word, such that, that the presence of God that was on them was so thick that people were getting healed when they would touch their shadow. People were getting healed when they would you know, touch the sweaty handkerchief and the, the aprons as they would literally send them, if you will, by parcel to another city. When did we ever see Jesus do that? We didn't. I don't know of any example where somebody took an article of Jesus' clothing and sent it to somebody who was in need. See, we're seeing Paul do greater works. Peter do greater works. Now, while there's an allusion to Jesus, it says that, that he both ascended and descended from heaven. We don't see an actual example of him doing that, but we do see the apostle Paul. It says He says, whether in body or out of body... So in other words, I don't know if it was in my flesh or if it was some spiritual thing that was happening, but he has this, what we call a third heaven encounter. The third heaven is where God is. Second heaven is this one. It's the demonic realm, right? We see him have a third heaven encounter where he actually encounters God in heaven and has such a miraculous encounter with God that he can't even speak to people about it. He has such revelation poured out from God himself in this third heaven encounter that, that, it, like, that it forms the New Testament church. So there's that. It forms the, the, the 75% of the, the Bible that you read in the New Testament side. Right? This revelation that was downloaded to him. Again, apart from this one fleeting reference of Jesus ascending and descending, we don't have any example of, of anybody having that kind of heavenly encounter like what Paul described. I would suggest to you, he's beginning to enter into the greater works reality. But listen, I, this, I wanna, I wanna, I'm going to beat this drum because I need you to hear this. You have to allow these truths to sink into your heart and into a deep place of your spirit because at every breath from this stage, I know that you're tempted to kind of go, yeah, but that's Paul. Yeah, but that's Peter. Yeah, but that's Bill Johnson. Yeah, but that's Randy Clark. Yeah, but that's whoever your person is. No, no, yeah, but that's you. It's you. The same Holy Spirit that empowered these men to do tremendous exploits lives on the inside of you. It's not looking for a superstar. It's just looking for somebody to believe it. What about Philip? You remember him? It says Philip was an evangelist. Philip was actually one of the original... Uh, was it seven? It's irrelevant. The number of men who were put in charge of the tables in the book of Acts in the early days. You remember Stephen was the first martyr. Philip was one of the guys who was there cleaning tables. Remember our story about Stephen and how he was op operating at the same high level of the miraculous that the apostles were? Now I want to tell you about Philip. Philip here is preaching. He's, a, he's an evangelist. He's preaching the gospel. This is what, where his heart comes alive. And he's preaching to an Ethiopian eunuch. 
when he gets done with his assignment there, instantly and miraculously, supernaturally, he is transported. Boof! And he's in another city, just like that. Can you imagine? I think I'd be so confused. It says he hit the ground and he just started preaching again. You know what I mean? He's like, all right, I know my mandate. I'm, I'm like, I, like this, is, this is my wheelhouse, baby. If he sent me here, it's got to be to preach Jesus to the masses. You know, I'd be like, where am I, Lord? What just happened? Can you imagine? I'm preaching. You know what I mean? You're like, where did he go? What happened? He just, poof, just gone. You know, come back a little bit later. You're like, wait, there he is. I thought he got raptured and we were all left behind. No, no, Jesus sent me to the hospital to lay hands on the sick. And I'm back. Let me testify of what he did over there. Can you imagine? Like, I, it sounds like, how do you say crazy, I guess, isn't okay. Descriptive. You're just like, wait, what? That's crazy talk. No, it's Bible talk. Listen, it's New Testament Bible talk. These are things that really happen. Do you understand that? They really happen to, to normal people who just believed God. Now, what, what other example, at least in the New Testament, do we see of anybody just being, sometimes they call it translated, we'll call it transported today for sake of clarity. You know, just instantly transported somewhere. I don't remember Jesus ever having that experience. See, Philip's now experiencing greater than what we saw Jesus do. See, the ministry of Jesus Christ was actually just the starting point. Comprehend that one. This is just the base minimum, guys. I'm just, I'm just modeling to you what's possible. What's possible is meant to ignite faith in you so that you could go further than what you could ask or think. What's available to us then? Think about that question. What's available to us? Now listen, the preface of this is that it's unto the glory of God. So by no stretch of the imagination are we advocating, like, yeah, press into this stuff for your own coolness factor and like, look at me, I'm spiritual. No, no, it's for the glory of God. But what's available to us today as normal Bible-believing Christians that we've yet to even taste of or discover? Now listen, I'll just take what's written. That's pretty cool to me. How about you? I'll just take this much. I'd be pretty stoked. Jesus starts transporting me all over the place. Who's going to preach? Doesn't matter. Jesus just sent me someplace. He's doing whatever he wants to do. Wouldn't that be awesome? If you're like, awesome for you, it's scared to be rotten out of me. This is what's possible. This is, the, this is the revival lifestyle. Now, how do we get there? How do we get there? Listen, the pathway is not nearly as impossible as it might sound. Let's look at our next verse. John 14, verse 15, it says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. That's well, almost a strange thing to put there, isn't it? He's talking about doing all this amazing stuff. Like, man, you're going to do, you're going to do greater stuff than me. Like, you guys, you're going to be so empowered by the Holy Spirit. Like, you are going to see some radical stuff nobody ever even could think or imagine. You could even dream up the stuff the Holy Spirit's going to do. Next sentence. Uh, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. What's our pathway? Listen, 1 Corinthians 13 tells us this. It tells us that if we're doing anything, and that includes all this miraculous stuff, it includes praying for the sick, raising the dead, it includes all the stuff built into our commission, your and my commission. 
If we're doing any of that stuff and we have not love, it says it's all utterly worthless. It all just burns up. Listen, we have to get to a point where we love Jesus more than we love the miraculous works that he invites us into. Do you hear that? I can fall in love with all of the cool stuff that we get to do. But you know, there's a passage in the New Testament that speaks to that. But Jesus, we healed people and prophesied and cast out demons in your name. And he's like, depart from me for I never, I never knew you. So what's the prerequisite? That you need to know him. Knowing him is loving him right? Everything that we do will burn up. All of our pursuits will be absolutely in vain. We have to love the man Jesus more than we love being used by Jesus. And I don't mean used in in an abusive sense. I just mean like there's the one hand where it's like I can fall in love with the power, but the second part is I can fall in love with just doing stuff. I'm just going to work for him. I'm in love with working for him. Like I'm just, I'm going to step into this. You can almost step into a religious response. And it's like, no, I'm just, I'm just working. Like, isn't this what I'm supposed to do? Like, like I'm, I'm just going to, I'm just going to work. And I can actually fall in love with the, with working for God and, and forsake intimacy with him. Man, the scariest thing ever to hear would be depart from me for I never knew you. You're like, wait, what? Because you decided to pursue doing stuff for God rather than doing stuff with God. Or, to be honest, forsaking stuff altogether and just making him the main meal. I don't need to do anything, Jesus. I'm just going to come after you. And that's kind of the point. See, it's talking about, like, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Everything else is going to burn up anyways. So what's he, what's he talking about? He's saying, listen, everything flows from this place of my heart to yours. Everything flows from this place and out of this place of relationship. Everything. And if it's not flowing out of relationship, you're wrong. Your motivations are wrong and it'll burn up. So he's calling us back to the fundamentals here. Like, Jesus, you're the main thing. And, and be, because I, I love you, I, I'm now in this place where this relationship with you, it's transforming the way that I think. It's transforming the way that I see the world around me. And it's actually developing compassion on the inside of me for the problems that I see. See, I'm becoming like him. And because I'm becoming like him, I'm beginning to step into the outward expression of that. We call that works or the good works have been, that we've been created for. But those good works are not works unto themselves. They're actually flowing from the heart of God and out of my relationship with God. My heart motivation change for, changes from this, this religious obligation of I have to perform and I have to do these things to this place of, God, I just want to behold you, and I'm getting your heart. And because I'm getting your heart, I'm now motivated to become the solution to the problems that I see around me. So what are we talking about? We're talking about if I make Jesus the main meal, then the, then the, the, the overflow of that is that I begin to love people well. And, and the truth is that the opposite is there as well, that the litmus test for our love for God is our love for people. If you don't love people this morning... It's actually epidemic of an issue vertically. There's something wrong in your intimacy and your relationship with God. Like if I don't have the overflow of that, such that it wells up in compassion on the inside of me where I begin to see hurting people all around and I'm desperate for God to move and to move through me. 
something's out of whack. See, we don't just seek after miraculous stuff for the sake of the cool factor. But listen, it's cool. <laughs> I mean, getting transported and seeing sick people get healed and, you know what I mean, having a prophetic word for somebody, you're uttering things out of your mouth that there's no way you could have ever known. That's cool stuff, man. <laughs> we just can't get so distracted by the cool stuff that we miss the point. The cool stuff comes out of this heart relationship with God. My love for God spills out into a love for people. The other thing is this. He wants us to be saved and grounded. He wants us to be saved and grounded. I could say why, but in some ways the answer is obvious. Like there's a lot of obvious answers. We'll stay away from that for a minute. But why does he want us to be saved and grounded? Because if you remember, he said, if you ask anything of me, I'll do it. You have a sinful, bratty child who comes up, you're probably not going to answer every whim of their heart because it's stupid and selfish. Am I wrong? Some people need some parenting help. <laughs> I, think, I think that Jesus is proposing that you have to be rooted and grounded in me, in intimacy with me, in love relationship with me. And out of that place, you become transformed into my likeness. Out of that place, you begin to think like I think. And so the prayers of your heart begin to immediately and naturally line up with the prayers of my heart. And in that place, ask of me anything, and I'll do it for you. I will answer those prayers. The bratty, selfish kid says, I just want to look cool, man. Can I have a sword or something? Like, just, you know what I mean? Like, like I'm going to call down some lightning from heaven and burn up a few people in some of those neighborhoods over there. <laughs> We have to be saved and grounded because Jesus gave us a promise that if we ask anything in his name, he'll do it. Remember what it says in James? In James it says, you have not because you ask not. So there's the invitation, folks. If you're sitting here and you're like, I, I'm, not, I'm not walking in these things. I don't know how to walk in these things. We start by asking him. Let's ask him. Let's get back in that prayer closet. Let's begin to go after him. Let's ask, Jesus, would you do that for me? And here's the thing. I think, we, I think we need to shift how we're praying. We're called to earnestly desire the gifts, but it presupposes love. Okay? We've gotten into a place where we're like, forget about that love stuff. I'm just going to earnestly desire the gifts. And I think we need to flip the script on that. Some of us in here, we've been praying for revival. We've been praying for God to use us in a powerful way. And what we need to pray instead is that God awakens love in our heart for other people. And when, when, when love in our heart is awakened for other people, the miraculous will come because you will be moved by the Holy Spirit to become the solutions to the problem. Amen. So it says you have not because you ask not. And then when you ask, you don't have because you're asking with selfish motivations. Right? Listen to this next part. Verse 16. He says, Let me say this. Mm, I'll skip that. 
I'll come back to that. <laughs> Holy Spirit, keep me on track. Verse 16. I will ask of the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. Verse 17. That the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it does not see him or know him, that you know him, because he abides with you, and you and, and will be in you. Remember, we talked about this in the very beginning. Jesus said it was better that he go because he was going to send who? The same Holy Spirit that operated within him to do miraculous signs and wonders in the earth unto the glory of God. Okay, so now we're getting to it. So he said, listen, greater works are you going to do. Like, I, I, I did these things. I modeled something to you. Lest you think it was just for me, I'm calling you into it. The stuff that I model, you're going to do it too. I'm inviting you into it. Now, we saw the New Testament church do that. We've talked about a couple examples, haven't we? Right? So I'm inviting you into it, and the way that you're going to do it is that the same Holy Spirit that I operated in, he's now going to operate on the inside of you. Now, I alluded to this a little bit earlier. But do you think that anything is impossible for you, Christians, if, the, if the, the God of the universe lives on the inside of you? Like, is there anything off limits? Like, is there anything? Is there, think about it. Like, the God of the universe lives on the inside of you. Is there anything that you would be too weak to do if the God of the universe... The only way you'd be too weak is if you're suppressing him. But when we don't suppress them, the Bible says things like this. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Listen, the God of the universe lives on the inside of... I, 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 I don't know how to emphasize this enough to where we get it. But when I show up, I'm limited. I'm limited by my flesh. I, I'm limited by... In some ways, I'm limited by my experience. I'm limited by stinky thinking. You know, I'm, I'm limited by unbelief. I'm limited by whatever it is. But I'm limited, Right? But I don't just show up. I show up with Holy Spirit. So if I was by myself, I might be weak. But with him, all of a sudden, I'm strong. <laughs> like with him, all of a sudden, like it's like, it, I, listen, I said this, I've said this a few weeks ago. Like it doesn't matter all of a sudden how weak I am, how stupid I think I am, how uneducated I am, how rich I am. It doesn't matter how good looking I am. None of that stuff matters because the sum total of every awesome thing that we can bring to the table pales in comparison to him. It doesn't matter. It's like a drop of droplet of water in the ocean. Like everything that you can possibly muster that would be amazing is just a little drop of water in the ocean that would otherwise be God. It's insignificant. So the biggest thing I can bring to the table is my yes. That's it. None of the other stuff really matters. And if I bring something to the table, if I bring this yes to the table, I can do all things through God who strengthens me. There's nothing that will be impossible for me. There's nobody that we couldn't raise from the dead. Nobody who we couldn't lay hands on and see recover from sickness. There's no amount of financial issue we couldn't deal with. Why did you bring that? Because we just go fishing. You understand Jesus went fishing, tax money, spent it. <laughs> Nothing would be impossible, guys. Are you getting this? 
The same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives on the inside of you. He is the God of the universe. He's the God that, that saw everything before the, the fabric of time, before all of creation, before any of this existed, and before you were ever brought forth. He understood it all, saw it all. He knows every single detail. He lives on the inside of you. You will prosper. You just have to yield to Him. You just have to say yes. I'm going to say it again. You don't have to be amazing because he's already got that covered. Are we getting some people freed up in here? He's sending the Holy Spirit. Says he'll be with us forever. Thank you, Jesus. Now listen to his conclusion, verse 20. In that day, how many know this is the day we're talking about? In that day, you will know that I am in the Father. Now listen to how this changes. In that day, you'll know that I am in the Father and you are in me, and I am in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and will disclose myself to him. See, now we're talking about intimacy there. We started out in John 14 like this. Jesus, as a preface to talking to doubting Thomas, he says, the Father and I are one. Full stop. And it's from our oneness that I do all of these amazing things that you see. All these miracles. Did you see how he's changed it now? It's the, the Father and I are one. And from this place of unity, I do these miracles. Now he says this. I am in the Father. You are in me. And I am in you. So Jesus is telling you now. The same position that I occupied when I came doing all those miraculous signs and wonders is now the position that you occupy. I'm in the Father. The Father's in me. I'm in you. You're in me. We're in the Father. Listen, as Jesus was one with Father, I'll just say it like this. How do I want to say it? Yeah, no, that's right. As Jesus was one with Father and Holy Spirit, you are now today equally as one with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And I'm going to say it again. And it was from that unity that Jesus did all of the miraculous signs and wonders. Remember the progression here. He started out by saying, like, look to these things that I'm doing. And now I'm going to call you in. I'm declaring over you. And these things you will do also. But now we've gotten back to the, to the very conclusion of it. And he's saying the unity that I have with Father is now something that I'm extending to you. Step into this unity. And from this place of abiding in God... You will be transformed into his likeness. As you're transformed into his likeness, you'll begin to think his thoughts. You'll begin to see the world as he sees it. And you will be provoked. You will be provoked to become the solutions to the problems that you see all around you. You can't help yourself. It is literally your design. God is on the inside of you, making, him, making you into his likeness. As we become into his likeness, we begin to see hurting and dying and sick and impoverished and hurting people all around us. And he's empowering us with this, with the very same Holy Spirit to become the solution to the problem. Listen, this is powerful, but it's normal Christianity despite maybe what somebody else taught you. You don't believe me, go back and read those scriptures again until it gets in. You with me? 
I am in the Father. You are in me. I'm in you. We are one. Let's just take a minute with that. Because that's hard to get our finite brains around. How, how could the God of the universe be on the inside of me? How could I be on the inside of him? How could I, how could I be at that level of unity? Like, like what Jesus had and operated and modeled as the prototype. How in the world is that now what I'm called to step into? How could I have that level of intimacy? And remember, this is what it says. He says, I'm going to disclose myself to you. You'll be loved by me, loved by my Father. So I will disclose myself to you. See, he's inviting us again back into that place of intimacy. From that place of intimacy and unity with him, we begin to flow like him. And as John says, we get to walk like he walked. I want us to just take a minute. Why don't you just close your eyes and just pray. I don't know who's on the keys today. Jessica, I guess. Why don't you come? I just want to take a minute on that. Holy Spirit, we invite you. Would you show us how we're one with Father, you, and Son? Even now, Jesus, we invite you. Would you disclose yourself to us? Help us to subdue the lies that we're tempted to believe that says, yeah, this stuff's impossible. There's no way. Break those lies off. Let your truth leaven our hearts right now. Holy Spirit, I invite you. I'm asking that you would touch people physically right now. If you allow doubting Thomas to touch, to touch you in his unbelief. Now, Holy Spirit, I'm praying that you would come touch people in their unbelief. They would know that you're real and alive today. Come, Holy Spirit, fill this place. Make us abundantly aware right now that you're closer than the air that we breathe. We give you our disbelief. We give you our limited capacities. We give you the lies that we believe have believed. Or we thought maybe you could do it with others, but you couldn't do it with us. have anybody who is 
experiencing an extra measure of the just the tangible presence of God. If you could just wave at me. See you there. Probably not. You mean like a declaration? Yes. Yeah. Go for I've it. Done it before, so. Go for it. I've been struggling with just existing. I've never done this before to get in front of people. I get it really emotional, but I've been dealing with feeling like I'm not enough. As you get older, you're not able to do some of the things you do when you're younger, and you feel basically like you're not nothing, but I'm not doing these things, I'm not making But I guess the. I'm not. Not so much like that you're not walking with God, but you're not doing. You're just existing. And just existing, what I, the message I just got now, is a no, basically. You're, you still love God, but just existing is not what you should be doing. Just existing is not the spirit. The spirit is doing, loving. And this last week, I had some health issues. My stomach, basically a pain level of 12. I went to the doctor on Monday. She couldn't give me answers. But then at work, there was an altercation between two younger young men at work. They were getting ready to fight at work. And I just happened to be there. And I stepped between them and just held my arms out. I didn't do anything but take one one of the per, one of the young men and remove him from the situation. I stopped them from fighting. And at the time it was not a big deal, but I have not been feeling very powerful, not very seen, not very heard, just existing like I said. And God has been putting different things because Satan has said you're not nothing you're not helping you're just here and that's not God that's not the spirit but God has put things in my life to show me yes you mean something yes you're here yes you love people and that's, you're here to show people that, that God is love. And you're not powerless. No one is powerless. But he likes to tell y'all, he likes to keep y'all down. He keeps you down. And I am out, I'm coming out of that. And today, I never speak in front of people like this. I often get nudges, but I never follow through. Never. Muted myself instead of the opposite. Why don't we do this? If, if anybody has been feeling like you've been just existing, just been going through the motions, just existing, the devil's been telling you you're not enough, we just want to take some altar time. 
Does that resonate with anybody? You can just give me a little flash of the hand. At least see one. So come on, come on forward. And for those of you who are feeling an increase of the presence of God this morning, you can go ahead and go ahead and sit down there. Thank you. You're welcome. You hand that to Misty. Yeah, for those of you who are feeling just an increase of the tangible presence of God, I, I want you to come up and behind these folks and just pray for them. I, I don't want you to... I don't want you to pray in their ear and do all those kinds of things. I just want you to just pray. Just pray over the atmosphere of the altar. You know, just release the presence of God over them because that's what they need is a touch from Jesus and some clarity, some clarity of thinking, okay? Father, we thank you for what you're doing this morning. We invite you to continue. Again, if that describes you, come on forward. And Father, we thank you that you're touching people. We thank you for Holy Spirit who empowers us to go far beyond what we could ask or think. We invite you this morning that you would touch every single person being bold enough to come up to this altar. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you would like to contact us or would like more information about our church or additional podcasts or resources, please visit us online at harvestwarrensburg.com. We hope to see you soon.